Amen. Let me invite your attention to 1 Peter chapter 5. Over the last number of weeks, I've been able to see news stories about zebras on the loose, elephants on the loose, and tigers on the loose. Roaming around neighborhoods, animal control, trying to get these animals back in their rightful place. Well, I want to give you a warning about our city and our area. There's a line on the loose. There's no reason to call animal control, but we do need to be sober-minded and watchful. Let me say something about this lion as well. This lion is really a fake lion. It says he desires to be like a roaring lion. He's not the true lion because there is a true lion. And according to the book of Revelation, it is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the lion of Judah. And this lion here is a more of a fake lion. A number of years ago, or, or just last year, right before COVID, Ange and I were in Tanzania. And the guy who was driving us, we were on a mission project there. The guy who was driving us was, was very engaging in conversation. And the Maasai tribe in Tanzania, the toughest of the tough. You don't get any tougher than those folks. And our driver would drive down the road and he would be able to see a person standing on the side of the road and say, he is a real Maasai person or that is a fake Maasai. He's a Maasai wannabe. And I say, how in the world do you know that? How can you tell that? He said, I can look at a person and to see if he is a real Maasai person or a fake Maasai person. And Angie and I had the opportunity of meeting one of the Maasai leaders and go literally sit in his hut with him. And I talked to him about lions because in that area of Tanzania, lions were everywhere. And I said, do you have issues with lions? He said, all the time. But he said, but you have to understand, lions are scared of Maasai people. And I said, why is that? He said, they know we will kill them. I said, how do you do that? He said, we kill them with our bare hands. Tough people. I thought, my goodness, I don't want to do anything to cross your path today. But but this lion, this fake lion. Who is our nation's biggest enemy? Some people say, well, it's got to be North Korea. As we think about the Southern Baptist Convention, who is our biggest enemy? Somebody would say, well, we've got different groups in the Southern Baptist Convention. Maybe it's one of those groups. As I think about you and your life, who is your biggest enemy in your life? What would you say? You may say it's a family member. You can name that person. Or you may say it's your boss, it's a co-worker, somebody you're in school with. Could be a family member, somebody again in the family of the church, or it could be just yourself. You may be your biggest enemy in life. As I think about what those things are, I come back to what Paul said to the believers in Ephesus, and here's what he said to them. Realize again, he's talking about spiritual warfare in Acts chapter 6, and he made this statement. He said that our battle is not against flesh and blood. He said it's against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. We have an enemy. He is a fake lion. He is our adversary. He is coming against you and me. Now, I want you to know, those in the room and those who are watching, please understand this. As we live the Christian life, we're not living the Christian life on a playground. We're living the Christian life on a battlefield. The enemy is out to get you and me. And so I pray you'll pay extra attention today as we're thinking about spiritual warfare, spiritual battles. We're on a battlefield, not a playground. Let me give you three words. They're not on your outline, but I want you to get these because these are going to be important. Here's why this message is so important. 
if you and I are going to live the abundant life that Jesus promised, if you're going to have a wonderful marriage and a great family, if we as a church is going to push back darkness and be united, but also if we're going to cross the finish line of ministry, gloriously faithful, this message is critical because our enemy is coming against you and me. Now, as I think about that, I think about these words. These are essential for us. And the first word is going to be serious. The word is serious. Here's what I mean by that. Spiritual warfare is serious. When, when individuals, men and women of the armed forces, go into a war zone and into battle, it is serious. Why? Because there are soldiers who get injured, wounded, or even many soldiers lose their lives. And you've got to realize our enemy is coming against you and me. He is not a friend. He is a foe. And he wants to destroy your life. And so understand spiritual warfare is a serious matter. Second word is strategy. If you and I are going to do battle with the enemy and on this battlefield, we've got to have a strategy. You've got to be prepared and trained. As you and I think about the brave men and women who serve our nation, they go into these war zones. They are prepared and trained. They are ready. They have a strategy to deal with the enemy. You and I need to be prepared and trained to do battle with the enemy because he's coming against you and me. And then the third word is the word support. As you think about how serious this battle is, we need a strategy and we have one, but we also need support. Men and women in the armed forces support one another. We as a nation support our military. We love, appreciate, and respect them. And as we understand that, we also know in this spiritual battle we're in, we need to make sure that we support one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. Military, one of the things they guard against is friendly fire. They never want to attack one another. And in the Christian life, let's make sure, brothers and sisters in Christ, in the room of those who are watching, we have an enemy. It's not you and me. We don't need to be attacking one another. We need to be supporting one another. Listen, we can agree to disagree. And we, we may have our moments, but we don't have to attack each other. We can speak the truth in love. We can be serious. We can have a strategy and we can support one another. Again, the enemy's goal is to destroy you. He wants to disrupt, disrupt you. He wants to deceive you. He wants to distract you. He wants to destroy you. That's his goal. As we come to first Peter chapter 5, I want to invite your attention there. I want you to walk through these uh, truths with me from your outline because these are going to be so critical for you and me in the Christian life as we walk through this. Look at number one, experience God's care. Here's what I know today. There are people who went to bed last night and got up this morning. And here's what I know. They went to bed and they got up this morning wondering if anyone cares for them in life at all. And also I know this, there are many people who went to bed last night and got up this morning wondering if God even cares for them or not. Because the enemy is a liar and he's saying to these individuals, God doesn't care about you. Other people doesn't care about you. Your life is a waste. You don't have any potential. You'll never amount to anything. They are believing the lie of the enemy. But please understand that truth. Experience God's care. Now as I walk through that, let me give you some insights here. I want you to write these three words down. Number one, be careful. He said in this passage, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. Please understand this. Be careful about what? Be careful about pride. He does not want you to be prideful in your life. Be careful about isolation. If he can get, the enemy can get you isolated, the chances of taking you down increase. 
Be careful about getting too close to the ledge in life. Your goal is not to see how close to the ledge you can get without going over. Your goal is to be faithful to him and live away from the ledge. Just be careful. Humble yourselves. Don't fall victim to pride in life. Look at the second one. Be patient. He says in this passage, as, as Peter's giving insight, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. Listen, you don't exalt yourself. He exalts you. In his time, don't get ahead of him. Don't lag behind him. Stay in step with the timing of God. Just as his ways are perfect, God's timing is always perfect. And so stay faithful to him. One, be, be careful, but also be patient. Number three, be thankful. Because he says in this passage, he says, casting all of your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Folks, I don't know what you're dealing with in your life, but you can bring to the Lord God all the stuff of your life. As ugly as that may be, you can bring him all the stuff of your life. Here's what I mean by that. If you've got marriage issues and you don't see any way out, you can bring that to him. Why? Because he cares for you. If you're dealing with anxieties and depression and other emotional issues, you can bring those to him. Why? He cares for you. If you're looking at your life and you're struggling with self-worth or your potential in life, you can bring those struggles to him. Why? He cares for you. As what Peter is teaching believers, make sure you understand you can experience God's care in your life. Experience his care. Number two, know Satan's ways. As Peter's walking through with believers here, he's teaching them and training them about how they can know the Lord God, but also how they can live victorious in the Christian life because the enemy, again, is coming against them. The enemy wants to destroy them. And Peter, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is saying, here's how you can live victorious in the Lord. Here's how you can defeat your enemy. And here's how you can cast all of your anxieties upon him because he cares about you. The enemy is looking for a dinner buffet. I remember when Angela started in ministry, we would hang out with our senior pastor and his wife. We'd make hospital visits. And every time we made a hospital visit in Nashville or in Louisville, we always ate at the same place. It was Morrison's Cafeteria every single time. And we could walk into that cafeteria and see that line. There are all these meats. There are all these vegetables and salads and all these desserts. You could have as much as you wanted as long as you could pay the bill. As you and I think about the Christian life, I want you to understand this. This is serious stuff. The enemy is looking at us like a dinner buffet, and he says, I will take some of all of it. He loves to destroy the lives of kids. I mean, I could talk to you a lot about the suicide rate among kids in our day. He loves to bring down students and destroy their lives as well. He likes to take down marriages and families and churches and character and reputation. He loves to destroy all those. But you need to know God cares for you and you need to know how the enemy works. Look at the first question. How does Satan oppose God? How does he do that? Here's how he does that. He'll do right the opposite of what God wants to do. And church, here's how the Lord works. When you think about the way, ways of the Lord and how he works, uh, God wants to build you up and Satan wants to tear you down. God wants you to live with freedom in your life. Satan wants you to live in bondage in life. God wants you to think of other people before you think of yourself. Satan wants you to think of yourself before other people. God wants to strengthen your life, your marriage, your family, and this church. Satan longs to destroy your life, your marriage, family, and this church. That's how he works. 
But then look at the second question here from there. How does Satan work? Let me give you three words here I want you to write down because these are important as we think about it. He is like a roaring lion, a false lion. The true lion is the lion of Judah, the Lord Jesus Christ. But how does he work? First word is incognito. When you think about the lion world, here's how they work. They blend into the landscape and at the appropriate time they attack their prey. That's oftentimes the enemy works. He'll be incognito. You don't necessarily see him around. Here's what he's not going to do. He's generally not going to knock on your door and say, I'd like to come in and visit with you because I want to destroy your life. He's generally not going to call you on the phone and say, I would like to schedule an appointment with you so I can just mess up your future. He's incognito. He'll come to you and me in some very scheming ways. Did God really say, is the Bible really true? Is Jesus really the only way to heaven? Are heaven and hell really places of existence? He will come in a cognito. He will try to deceive us and mislead us. At the appropriate time, he will attack you and me. Just be careful. Second word, isolates. The enemy loves to isolate you and me. That's one of his goals. When you look at lions, you see these animal shows and you see these massive animals. What they do is they like to isolate their prey. They know that if they can get an animal isolated from the pack or the herd, the opportunity to destroy that animal's life increases dramatically. You just watch any of those shows. If they can get one of those animals away from the rest, take him down. I had the opportunity the other day just sitting down with Pastor Freddie T. Wyatt in our city. I love that brother in Christ. And, appreciate his heart we sat down together for an hour hour and a half or so we talked about his journey with covid and what did god teach him through that experience and what were some of the most difficult days and experiences of walking through covid and here's what he said he said the most difficult period and the most difficult experience of covid was the isolation from people whom he loved and who loved him understand church the difference between isolation and solitude Almighty God longs for you and me to practice solitude, but isolation is the work of the enemy. If he can get us isolated, he can bring us down. And that's why I encourage you, coming out of COVID, met people today back the first time. I appreciate that. I encourage you, make sure if you're physically able, there is no substitute for gathering with the people of God in person. Because you can watch online, as great as that is, and still be isolated. God created you and me for relationships and people. If you are physically able, gather with the people of God in life. He isolates. Number three, intimidates. Lions have this way of roaring to intimidate. Peter said to the believers there, what? He is like a roaring lion. Lions roar to intimidate other animals. It is noted that on a calm, still night that a lion's roar can be heard up to five miles away. It's interesting in the lion's world that female lions do most of the hunting and male lions always eat first. Some things never change in life. But lions are they're fast and they're powerful and they have so much energy, but they roar because they want to intimidate. The roaring lion is seeking to intimidate you and me so that we will not live the victorious life. We will live a fearful life. But Almighty God didn't save you and me, and the Holy Spirit does not indwell you and me to live a fearful life. He saved us and indwells us to live a victorious life. 
So just to understand how he works, he's going to be incognito. He's not going to make an appointment with you. He's going to come at a moment when he thinks you're weak, that he can destroy your life. He is going to try to isolate you, to get you away from the people of God. He's going to try to do everything he can to do that. But also, he is going to try to intimidate your life, cause you to live in fear, and be less than God wants you to be in your life. That's how he works. Number three, discover God's plan. Peter's going to walk through this in this text because he's going to give you not just some of the issues, he's going to give you the plan. He's going to teach you that. And he's really going to give three imperatives here that you and I need to pay attention to. And here's what they are. He says, one, be sober-minded. Make sure your mind is right. When your mind is right, you make sure you're doing what is right in the eyes of God. So when you look at it, you say, God, okay, I don't want to live too close to the ledge because I may go over. I don't want to live isolated because the enemy can bring me down. I want to make sure my mind is right. Mind is focused on the truth of God's word and who he is. He also says, watchful. Make sure with your eyes, you're looking around you. You've got to watch what's going on. What's going on around me? Who's trying to influence me? What is happening in my life? As a, as a child, as a student, as an adult, make sure you're awake, you're not napping, you're not sleeping. You are watching what the enemy is doing around you. And then he said, resist him. I just want to encourage you folks, you don't play with uh, copperheads and rattlesnakes. And you don't play with the enemy. He's not a friend of yours. He does not want to play with you. He wants to destroy you. He is a foe in your life. He would like nothing more again than destroy your life, your marriage, your family, this church. He is our adversary. He's our enemy. So you just need to know those things, but you discover God's plan. Now, I want to give you four statements here that will help you understand that, that you'll be able to practice this in your life. Number one, guard against isolation. I've talked about that. Here's what I mean by that. You need to stay intimate with Jesus Christ. You need to stay in fellowship with God's people. And you need a selected group around you who are you, whom you are accountable to in the Christian life. I mean, that will guard you against the enemy's attacks. Just be intimate with Jesus, stay connected to God's people, and be accountable to a selected group of people. Guard against isolation. Look at number two. Spend time in the Word. As you think about the life of the Lord Jesus Christ in Matthew chapter 4, here he is on the Mount of Temptation. The enemy is tempting him. And what did Jesus do? Jesus said three times, it is written. He used the word of God to deal with the adversary. And I just want to be very straightforward with you. If you're not spending time in God's word on a daily consistent basis, then you are not trained and prepared to do battle with the enemy. That's how Jesus dealt with him. That's how you and I need to deal with him. Spend time in the Word. See, we would never think of sending men and women of the armed forces into a war zone unprepared and untrained. We would never take a police officer and put him on the streets of our city to keep us safe and to say, do the best you can. You're untrained and unprepared, but do the best you can. We'd never do that. And that's why as your pastor, I just challenge you, those in the room and those who are watching, make sure you guard against isolation, but make sure you are spending quality time in God's word. Allow the word of God to equip you to do battle with your adversary. Spend time in the word. Number three, put on God's full armor. Folks, as you read what Paul said to the believers in Ephesus in chapter six, he didn't want you to put part of the armor on. He wants you to put the full armor on. 
And any, when you look at that, he, he never tells you to take it off, by the way, either. He wants you to put it on and keep it on. When I go to an event, I always want to make sure, what are the dress requirements? Well, one of the fears I have in life is showing up at an event and being underdressed for that event. I don't ever want to do that. I'd rather be overdressed than underdressed. There are many people who are victims of this fake roaring line. Why? Because they're on the battlefield underdressed. You are not trained and prepared to do battle with the enemy. So that's why I challenge you. Ephesians chapter 6, read that. Make sure you put on the full armor of God in your life. It's not optional. It's what he asked. Number four, learn from other believers. He goes on to say that Peter does in this context. He said that the brotherhood throughout the world are experiencing the same kinds of suffering. That's why many times I'll use illustrations from places that we've been around the world. Because those believers around the world, they have faced the, the battle of the enemy and the warfare, and they are victorious and they are strong, and we can learn from those individuals in the Christian life. We need to learn from one another. That's why community and relationships matter. So I just encourage you, know what God's doing. You make sure you guard against isolation. You stay in the word. You be faithful to him that way. You also put on the full armor of God and then you learn from other believers. So why? Because you want to be prepared and trained to stand faithful on the battlefield. Number four, trust God's promises. As you think about what Peter is saying, Peter's outlining some promises because he, in fact, he says, and after you have suffered a little while, And then he started talking about the faithfulness of God, the promises of God. He said, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be dominion forever and ever. That is often translated to him be glory and power forever and ever. That is the promise of God. I'll never forget my first time I was on the base at Fort Knox. And I had the opportunity to go there, and I went there with a decorated officer. And we were walking uh, over the base and, and interacting with other soldiers. And to see how they related to him was so respectful and encouraging. He had a lot of patches. He had a lot of medals. And, and he, again, very decorated. And the respect they showed him touched me deeply. There are many people in life who get the Congressional Medal of Honor given by the president. What an honor that is. And then I think about these men and women around the world who are individuals, believers in Christ, their names are not ever going to be in lights, but they came to know Christ because of the grace of God. They're living the Christian life and being faithful to him. And they come to a place in their spiritual journey and they're facing opposition. And the opposition says to these men and women, you confess Christ and you die, you deny him and you live. But we can't even comprehend what that's like. Or if you're going to confess him, we'll take your physical life. If you deny him, we'll let you live. And to see the bravery of these men and women who are soldiers in the Lord's army, look at that thread and say, I will not deny him. I will confess him, even if it means losing my physical life. Can you imagine those individuals standing before the throne of God, Faced with that decision in life, you deny him and you live. You confess him and you die. And they refused to deny him. They confessed him and gave up their physical lives for the glory of Christ. And then as you and I think about what Peter is teaching the believers, I want to give you these three medals that all of us in the Christian life 
kids, students, and adults that we should desire to have in the Christian life. You say, what are these medals? Number one, the medal of grace. Look what he says here in this passage, the God of all grace. Folks, his grace is wonderful. His grace is matchless. His grace is amazing. And you say, what's significant about his grace? If you and I are saved this morning and we know Christ, we have the assurance of going to heaven, we are saved because of the amazing grace of God in Jesus Christ. As you and I think about serving the Lord Jesus Christ, being used of him, save the Holy Spirit indwells us. He's gifted us to serve. The only way we serve him is because of the grace of God in life. As you and I think about going through storms, trials, adversities in life, as difficult as those things are, the only way we can thrive through those and survive those is because of the matchless grace of God in life. I hope you know this morning, and you're wearing proudly, the medal of grace. It is God's unmerited favor. You don't deserve it. You can't work for it. You'll never earn it. It is a gift of God in Jesus Christ, our Lord. The medal of grace. Second is the medal of growth. As you think about all that we go through in the Christian life, Almighty God wants you to grow. The enemy wants to destroy you. The enemy wants to take your life down, but God wants you to grow in the Christian life. Look at it and say, God, through all the experiences of my life, spiritual battle, spiritual war zone, living on a battlefield, I am growing in the Christian life. Can you see the medal of growth in your life? Then the third one is the medal of glory. He says in this passage here at the end, to him be dominion forever and ever, or to him be glory and power forever and ever. When you look at your life, are you living your life for the glory of God? Here's what I challenge you of all ages in the room or watching again. Make sure you're not living for people's applause. Make sure you're living for God's approval and for his glory in life. And so we can stand on the battlefield and say, I know what it's like to have the medal of grace because I'm saved by the grace of God. I know what it's like to live the Christian life and the power of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because I've got the medal of growth. He's growing me in my relationship with Jesus. I know what it's like to be wearing the medal of glory. Why? Because I'm not living for anyone's applause. I'm living for his approval and for his glory forever and forever. I know what it's like to wear the medal of glory. As you think about being a soldier... I came across this not so too long ago. It's a, something written about being a soldier. And here's what I know about this. I know this. When you think about spiritual battle and spiritual warfare, uh, you need to understand this like I do. Jesus Christ, God didn't allow Jesus to experience what he did. God didn't allow Jesus to leave the magnificence of heaven and come to this earth and take on human flesh. He didn't allow him to live a perfect, sinless life and to die on a royal rugged cross, be buried in a tomb, raised on the third day victoriously over the grave. And Jesus Christ is alive and one day he's coming again. God didn't allow his son to experience all that for you and me to be eaten alive by a fake, roaring lion. He did not do that. He, he, he sent Jesus to be our Savior and our Lord so that we could live an abundant, victorious Christian life in Jesus and be faithful to him. And this is a, a, just a statement here. I am a soldier. Let me ask you, are you a soldier? Are you a soldier? Here's what it says. I am a soldier in the army of my God. 
The Lord Jesus Christ is my commanding officer. The Holy Scripture is my code of conduct. Faith, prayer, and the Word are my weapons of warfare. I have been taught by the Holy Spirit, trained by experience, tried by adversity, tested by fire. I am a volunteer in this army, and I am enlisted for all eternity. I will not get out, sell out, be talked out, or pushed out. I am faithful, reliable, capable, and dependable. If my God needs me, I am there. I am a soldier. I am not a baby. I do not need to be pampered, petted, primed up, pumped up, picked up, or pepped up. I am a soldier. No one has to call me, remind me, write me, visit me, entice me, or lure me. I am a soldier. I am not a wimp. I am in place, saluting my king, obeying his orders, praising his name and building his kingdom. No one has to send me flowers, gifts, food, cards, or candy, or give me handouts. I do not need to be cuddled, cradled, cared for, or catered to. I am surrendered. I cannot have my feelings hurt bad enough to turn me around. I cannot be discouraged enough to turn me aside. I cannot lose enough to cause me to quit. When Jesus called me into this army, I had nothing. If I end up with nothing, I still come out ahead. I will win. My God has and will continue to supply all of my needs. I am more than a conqueror. I will always triumph. I can do all things through Christ. The devil cannot defeat me. People cannot disillusion me. Weather cannot weary me. Sickness cannot stop me. Battles cannot beat me. Money cannot buy me. Governments cannot silence me. And hell cannot handle me. I am a soldier. Even death cannot destroy me. For when my commander calls me from his battlefield, he will promote me to captain and then allow me to serve and rule with him. I am a soldier in the army and I'm marching, claiming victory. I will not give up. I will not turn around. I am a soldier marching heaven bound. Here I stand. Will you stand with me? I am a soldier. Are you a soldier? And I ask you this morning in the room and those who are watching, are you a soldier? Active duty. Do you get up every morning like in my world? Private reigns reporting for duty. You tell me, Father, what you want me to do, my commander-in-chief, I'm willing to do whatever you ask. I have surrendered everything to you. I'm private, ready to serve. Is that your story? Is that your life? Or are you AWOL, nowhere to be found? This morning, as we think the battle that we're in, again, it's an intense battle. You don't need to go AWOL. You need to show up every morning, stand before Almighty God and say, listen, I am reporting for duty and for battle. Send me in. I'm ready to go. In the power of the Holy Spirit, I'm ready. So I just challenge you, are you a soldier in the Lord's army? If you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, you need to be baptized. You need to join the fellowship of this church because fellowship with God's people matters. Or you need to realize Almighty God cares for you in your stage in life. I just encourage you, surrender your life to Him this morning. Our pastoral team is going to be right here. We're going to have prayer partners on each side. If you're watching online, you can comment to us or email us at the address you see. We would love to come alongside you and for you to experience the grace of God, the growth of God, and the glory of God in your life. 
And we'd love for you to be able to stand in your life and say, God, I am a soldier. I am here to serve you. Victorious over the enemy. He may be a roaring lion, but he is fake. I serve the Lion of Judah, who is Jesus Christ himself. I give him my life today. And so I want to encourage us in the room and those who are watching, if we'll bow our heads together, and I just want to encourage you again in this invitation. Don't let the enemy have any victory today. If the Holy Spirit is convicting you that you need to respond and give your life to Jesus, you need to follow him in baptism, you need to join the fellowship of the church because the local church matters, or you need to understand how much Almighty God cares for you, don't let the enemy have any victory this morning. You obey the leadership of God and be able to walk out of this sanctuary or log off where you're watching and say, it is well with my soul because of the real line who is Jesus Christ. And so, Father, this morning in this invitation, God, I pray in the power of the Holy Spirit that there would be conviction in this place in my life and the lives of others. I pray those who are watching online would be under conviction. And God, I pray that salvation would come, obedience would come. We would understand you love us and you care for us. And we could walk away saying, God, it is well with my soul because of your grace in our lives. And so, God, as we stand and as we sing, I pray you will draw us to yourself that we can say the enemy has been defeated and we have victory in Jesus Christ. And, Father, I pray this today with great anticipation. In Jesus' name, amen.